Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Resonance Test. I'm your host, Pete Chapin from Continuum. If you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? This common icebreaker usually produces a handful of typical answers, such as invisibility, flying, reading people's minds, and so on. And of course, you can take an online quiz that promises insight into your personality and career opportunities, depending upon the superpower you choose. So I wonder what it says about today's guest that the superpower she is nurturing most strongly is to put her own company out of business. Robin Glasgow is the Vice President of Innovation at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, and she doesn't want them to go out of business because she's a spy from a competitor. Robin sees the status quo of healthcare delivery as being fundamentally broken, and she's working to change the way Blue Cross tackles long-standing healthcare challenges so that they can reinvent the experience for everyone involved. Robin's got a long history of bringing innovation to the healthcare space, coming off nearly 20 years at Kaiser Permanente where she led their strategic planning and product innovation efforts. It's given her a unique perspective on what we can do at the state level to innovate and improve the healthcare experience for citizens. Robin came by the Continuum office to share some of her thoughts with Lee Moreau, a principal here in service and experience design. And perhaps you'll learn what Lee's superpower is if you listen all the way through. Hey, Robin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, So I've seen you speak on a couple of panels before, and... You have, you know, which is backed, supported by your Twitter persona and, you know, meeting you again today. Uh, and you, you kind of project this sense of uh, the superhero persona. Can you, like, speak to where that comes from and, and how you leverage that and what that's all about? Yeah, you know, um, well, I'm flattered to, to um, even be in the same reference as a superhero. And I, I have on my phone, my screensaver actually is a likeness superhero hero person of myself so um not that i have this high opinion but um you know it's it's interesting i don't know if it's age or if it's the role um when you get past 40 there's just this bit of i don't really care what people think or say i'm closer to the back nine than the front nine so i can take some chances and swing a little bit harder uh and i'm okay with that and i think because of the role that i'm in I, I, there's a bit of an expectation I need to do that, as well as, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I really want to reinvent healthcare. And you got to be risky. You got to have some fearlessness to you. If you're into sports, it's kind of that Cam Newton pulling back that Superman um, pose that he does. You know, I, I'm, I'm all down for that. So I guess, you know, that's how I leverage that in my world. So we started with the superhero persona, but. Yeah. Now, unpack the role. So describe a little bit about what you're doing, what your role is at Blue Cross Blue Shield in Massachusetts, um, and, and what your charge is right now. You know, I'm very mindful of the industry that I'm in, and I'm very mindful of the company that I work for. There is a perception of um, health insurance companies, and I've been in them for over 25 years, so I'm very aware of the perception. Some of it I hold myself. Uh, But with that said, uh, you know, I often say, just between the two of us, that my job is to break healthcare. My job is to put Blue Cross Blue Shield out of business. And by that, I mean the status quo is not acceptable in healthcare. We've got to do something different. We've got to do different things. We've got to do things differently. And so um, if I'm, I'm not trying to perfect the pager, and I think health insurance is equal, equal or excuse me, equivalent to the pager, 
um, quite frankly. And so um, while there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get better, faster, that sort of thing, that's not the business that I'm necessarily in. I want to create what was, you know, 10 years ago now, the iPhone for um, for healthcare. And uh, so that's, I view that as my role. Um, with that said, um, a good part of my role is to help the organization see that the pager is not a viable, sustainable business model for us, that we do need to um, rethink and reshift, reinvent, uh, the, and rethink about the business that we're in, uh, the work that we do, embed human-centered design in every aspect along every process in every day. It's not an event. It's not a destination. It's not a noun. It's not a verb. Innovation, human-centered design, it's truly a mindset, and it should just be embedded naturally into what we do. So incredibly ambitious, obviously. Sure. Breaking healthcare, breaking Superhero. your organization. Okay. <laughs> How does that translate into day-to-day -day operations? Sure. And, and you know, it's a relatively new role. So sure. how, are, how does that all get embedded in what you do morning, noon, and night? Yeah, it's interesting because um, in this particular role, compared to any role I've ever had, I've actually gone slower. <laughs> and and I, I've shocked myself. Uh, and gone slower because uh, there's a bit of starting inside of the organization to bring the organization along. And um, I have this saying that we adopt around, we go where the, the love is. And going where the love is, it's finding those people who are interested, curious, want to go on a journey with you. Don't may not even know where you're going or where you're ending up, but interested in trying. And so we started with those individuals and um, introducing them to the concept of human-centered design. Uh, we've done that through uh, doing some immersion sessions, um, taking real business challenges, bringing those into those sessions, whether it's um, a, a two-day boot camp or a one-week sprint, uh, and really uh, introducing to them a different way of tackling old problems. So we've had some really great success around that. And it's fascinating because we've, it, it's kind of like the, I think it's well a Boston commercial where they tell two friends and they tell two friends. And so the love fest grew, but you know, there's always some people that are skeptical and this is a big task and skeptical. Uh, and what we've seen now is some of those skeptics are coming to us and asking us for, for help. Uh, our next iteration or our focus for next year is now that we have, we've introduced the concept of thinking differently and tackling uh, traditional long, deep-rooted problems differently. Let's now extend that on in terms of executing and implementation, lean, agile, very buzzy, buzzy words. But I say it's the difference between like design thinking and design doing. Mm -hmm. And transitioning into that design doing mindset is a lot of we're going to be focusing on next year. So you've decided to take a little slow. I, I'm <clears throat> curious about your previous mm -hmm. experiences and how they prepared you. Um, to have this approach now. Mm -hmm. um, so if you could talk a little bit about your background and what led to this to kind of poise yourself to take this whole organization on. Sure. So um, it, my bulk of my career had been at Kaiser Permanente, and I literally was able to um, have an experience in multiple areas in the organization. I worked in a small region. I worked in the largest region. I worked on the health plan side. I worked on the provider side. The golden thread that connected all of that together for me is uh, around 
strategic planning, market strategy, business development, product innovation, and it's kind of scary to say in, in insurance, but uh, uh, all of that um, helped to prepare me for this role in, in the following, in that um, if you've ever known, worked with, worked for a physician, <laughs> they view the world very differently. And I actually think anyone in healthcare needs to spend time with physicians working in that environment. I had a totally different appreciation around healthcare, the business that we're in, as well as I mean, they're truly the heroes. I mean, they're what they do is life and death, saving people's lives. Um, the work that I do, uh, not that great. <laughs> However, um, you know, when I when I uh, so working with the providers as well as um, you know, it, Kaiser Permanente is a very matrix, complex organization, and being able to navigate that. Um, I mean, prepares you for many, many, many different things. Um, and so for me, going from a large, highly matrixed um, organization, looking at national state laws by multiple different states, um, working with providers, labor, um, uh, it, run the gamut uh, from coast to coast, um, coast even including Hawaii. <laughs> um, it, it just coming to a single state plan, particularly in Massachusetts, which I think has one of the, it is the innovation hub for healthcare. It has every single player here. The hospital systems are the best on the planet. Um, and you have a state um, government that is um, a lot more willing to try different things. So, um, you know, taking the, the resistance and the, <laughs> the challenges of working in that type of environment at Kaiser Permanente and transferring that here, it's really just set me up to um, be who I am, to, to try different things. And um, it's been a heck of a lot of fun thus far. So coming from a this might be the wrong word for it, but a more integrated model where mm -hmm. payer and providers are working collaboratively as they do at Kaiser Permanente. Mm -hmm. When you come to Blue, Cro Blue Cross and Blue Shield, mm -hmm. do you bring that integration approach in the way that you're trying to model change or the breaking of of this company? 100%. Um, I have a bias. I think integrated healthcare is superior than fragmented care. Uh, and so, an integrated you can you can do that in a in a true way as Kaiser Permanente. There's a marriage there, uh, or you could do that virtually or through contractually or or through relationships. Uh, and so, I bring that bias into the organization, um, and the organization already was positioned and prepared and adopted the same mindset that I have around integration. So the, the leaders that are there share that. The community, um, although I'm not as connected to the provider community, um, they seem there seems to be uh, a very friendly relationship. Um, it's not the frenemy type of relationship that I um, have experienced in other um, in other um, states or in other other regions. So I think we have the tools to to figure out how we can move closer towards something around integration, and then obviously thinking creatively from a human-centered way to create a better experience for individuals as they're intersecting with healthcare. I mean, we have to do that. We absolutely have to do that. So obviously at Continuum, we spent a lot of time doing human-centered design. I'm curious mm -hmm. how the integration of human-centered design into the Blue Cross Blue Shield ecosystem has 
has been working? Mm-hmm. How far does it need to go? Where do you feel you are on the overall journey there? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I actually, I, I'm, I'm so tempted, but I won't say it yet, to say that we're at the tipping point. We're not quite there. But an indicator that, that leads me to want to say we're at that tipping point is um, someone on my team was walking into one of our other buildings, and they were having a user testing party on a, a prototype they had just built earlier that day. And he snapped a picture, sent that out to the team, and you know, I got tears in my eyes. Like, look at that happening. And we weren't there. We didn't know anything about it. And that was awesome because I think the win and truly when human-centered design just becomes part of your DNA is when we don't have to be there along the way holding their hand. So that's an indicator for me that it's that we're trending in the right direction. Again, I'm not quite ready to say we're at the tipping point. Um, Give me, invite me back, and I might be able to say it then. <laughs> well, happy to happy to invite you back when, when the time comes. Uh, and, and so that speaks to where so you're you're bringing the 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 message is being heard. Yeah, it's being communicated in the organization. You're building vocabulary mm-hmm. and language um, that's being shared. So that's good. You can check those boxes. Um, talk about the implementation of mm-hmm. some of these ideas because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of mm-hmm. our clients and we see a lot yep. of organizations getting tripped up. So how's your experience been in trying to shepherd those ideas into the actual business? Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's That's the, the, the concept of the design thinking to design doing. So there's been a great amount of um, receptivity to the design thinking component. Um, and that part, I would say we're absolutely at that tipping point. Uh, the focus for next year is that design doing where we have a a, a roster of um, ideas and changes that we've implemented that we can say and we can you know pat ourselves on the back about Um, it's it's what we're running into running into now is when we have um, cool new ideas and we try to shove them to the (laughs) old deep-rooted you know health insurance system and so um, taking that that concept of the design doing and changing the way that we think about execution is going to be key and so by that I mean we we have to build this bit of a parallel universe if you will is how we think about it and it's 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 putting the layers in place to allow us to be able to execute and get into market faster so our members current and potential members can begin to experience change sooner so some of those layers include building a sandbox we talk about um, as part of human-centered design having a safe space right and so it's not just a safe space to have conversation and think differently it's also a safe space to play and test new ideas in a cloud-based environment that you know it's not bogged down by you know um, needs requirements and legacy systems right so sandbox is a key part of that another layer is we'll be uh, in August of next year opening our innovation center actually in Copley Plaza Uh, with a cool mall entrance. (laughs) And what that will do, that first floor, that retail floor, is going to allow us to connect with the people in the city, the people that are, the 60,000 people that are walking in that area every single day. We'll be able to test concepts real time and get lots and lots of feedback. We're really excited about that. So it's Sandbox, it's the Innovation Center, it's uh, our council that we're building that will bring uh, 12 different sectors across 
not just healthcare, but other industries not typically considered in the healthcare space, um, whether it's academia, whether it's transportation, whether it's food and beverage, so that as we are uh, wanting to co-create, co-design some ideas with our council members, we can pretty much pick from the players that are in the room and leverage those assets and not waste time of trying to track down, oh, could we need someone to do this or someone to do that? Uh, but even, even, even actually above that, from a strategic perspective, healthcare, part of the problem with healthcare is we treat it as an event. Time to get your flu shot, time to get your checkup, time to do your mammogram. Oh, this didn't work well. But health is a 360, 24-7 experience journey. Uh, and so not that we want to be big brother, but there are missed opportunities in the life that you lead every day or life that you live every day, Lee, life that I live every day. There's opportunities to engage differently um, in a way that's not intrusive, in a way that builds on stuff you're doing already. And so we're taking some of those ideas into the council, leveraging them through our center, through our sandbox to be able to help accelerate that execution so robin you're talking about you're talking about bringing actual consumers i, mean, I think you have uh, three million members yes. or something like that yes into this innovation center on a yep. regular it's a, it's a showroom of sorts it's a it's well not a showroom <laughs> well there'll be some elements of that but it will be uh it will be so part of the center will be open to the the public um, you know, the part will be, you know, obviously not. Uh, but we want that interaction. Um, truly human-centered design is making sure you're designing for the needs of your end user. And we can't do that um, in isolation. So we have to have the connection, connection to um, users. We have to be able to invite them in, hear from them real time and allow them to give us insight into what we should be, which we should be building. You know, I, I feel like I need to make a, a statement here around um, if we are if we are spending our time trying to perfect ACA, the Affordable Care Act, or anything related to that, and deductibles and coinsurance, and is this oh you know is this part of your EOC or EOB or whatever alphabet soup is part of health insurance? We've totally missed the boat. So I imagine some people might hear me speak and say, you know, well, this isn't working with my health care. I get it. I got it. And we're doing some things internally to help perfect the pager. But what we're talking about is truly reinventing a different experience, changing the mindset of how we think about health, healthcare today. And our win, um, you know, is that uh, imagine, let's say five years, that's an arbitrary number, five years from now, we're sitting here again, and we're just laughing about how, oh my gosh, can you imagine that we used to do things that way? That's our win. So what are the biggest barriers to getting there? So you're coming in, yeah. you know, you're playing it slow, you're taking it slow, but yeah. you're the superhero. Yeah, yeah. What walls do you need to break down within your organization or within the industry industry generally mm -hmm. to make that happen? What are the the big things, the big hurdles you have to sure. overcome? Sure. And this this is probably my one superpower <laughs> that I have, and that is the um, the ability to well, fearlessness. And so. Um, when someone tells me no, I'm, I, that becomes a bit of a turn on for me where I am going to relentlessly convince you whatever that might 
take, um, you know, adopting one of our mindsets, showing, not telling, um, adopting another, of falling in love with the problem. I haven't found anyone across any part of the healthcare ecosystem who believes the status quo is okay. There aren't any winners in healthcare right now. There is pain across every every step, every um, spot in the journey of, of healthcare, whether you're a member trying to navigate, whether you're a provider frustrated with, uh, you know, which system, which this, which, what's covered, what's not, um, you know, can my, my patient actually afford to pay, whether you're a hospital. There's, there's so many pain points across the system. So starting from that place and then building from there tends to have some success. I, I get excited and I've have, um, exper- I've have um, real life experience of converting those no's into from no to maybe to I'm curious into actually becoming really strong advocates. And it really starts with, it's not about the solution itself. It's really having people falling in love with that problem and wanting to come with you to change it. Part of the problem is we often are invoking our changes on people. We're saying, you know, oh, look at what we did. Now deal with it. And if you are starting from the place of what we all can say is a problem and then inviting people along the way to help solve it. You know, they can't point the finger <laughs> across the, the table because they were part of building it. And to me, that's where the wins have happened. And I think um, the other thing that I'll say, um, I've been the same Robin for however many years I've been alive. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting, my mindset or my belief, everything I've shared with you today, it's not new. Uh, but what I have found is the, I, there are more people who think like I do um, than I ever have experienced. Five years ago, the room was a little smaller. Ten years ago, smaller. Fifteen years ago, I was like talking to myself. <laughs> and so what I've loved about coming here to Massachusetts is that I'm like, oh, here are my people. Where have y'all been? <laughs> and, and I'm so glad that I'm here because there are more and more people that are ready. The pain, I think, is we're, we're at that point where that pain is so great, we're ready. So it's been, um, it's been really cool. Uh, and so the slowness is getting the tribe together, um, not just externally, but internally. Uh, to let's go now let's go on this journey and so putting those building blocks in place it doesn't matter what we throw at it because we're we're part of the tribe and we're going to keep going and keep going and keep going so i want to i i love that and i it you're really creating culture change and you're Mm -hmm. existing within culture change i do want to talk about the business because when i say when I say health, you don't necessarily think of business. And when yeah. I say care, you don't think of business. But when you say healthcare, suddenly it's a business proposition. Yep. So what is the role of business strategy or business design in what you do? And you've, you've said at some point in one of the panels that I saw you talk at, this notion of a reverse business case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do you deploy that in order to help shepherd this change? Uh, the story that I'll tell is... Uh, um, one of the business leaders in my organization, we were actually, um, they, his area was the focus of a two-day boot camp and then subsequently a one-week sprint. And at the end of it, we did a, um, a 
show a, a report out, if you I hate to use that word, but um, report out to him and presented seven different concepts. Uh, he was extremely excited about each one of those. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And we were nearing the end of the meeting and he said, he started to get up and he's like, great, let's put together a business case and then, you know, then we'll decide what we do from there. And as he was raising up, I grabbed his arm and I made him sit back down and I leaned in really close. I got in his personal space and I said, that was the business case. Uh, and he just sat there. He saw the seriousness because I grabbed his arm and I was in his face. And he said, huh, light bulb went off. And so when I talk about a reverse business case, it's it's at the end of the day, um, uh, the old way, or the legacy thinking, the legacy system, the legacy approach way that most most businesses do, and I'm you know guilty as charged of, of following that. They teach you to do this in business school. Uh, is that you do an environmental scan, you look externally, you find out what competitors are doing, you find out who what customers are looking for this. You do you know you do your analysis and then you come up with some sort of recommendation. You talk to some brokers, some consultants, and this that and the other right and you present after know, a few months you present some some findings and usually um, those ideas eventually get put forward and there's investment dollars that process usually from the time that you've started to the time that it's implemented could realistically be about three years right and um, it doesn't usually embed human-centered design there might be some focus groups um, but it doesn't really embed that in there. And so you think about the time lag, you think about if you sign dollars to that time lag and missed opportunities, the number of resources attached to that, it's expensive. And the likelihood of being wrong is usually pretty high. Um, I can think of many examples where, oh, oops, that didn't go as we thought. Uh, versus the reverse business case is, is that human-centered design approach. And it's taking the process of um, starting with empathy, uh, engaging with the users to truly un uncover those unmet needs, and then, tr then defining the problem. Business school, they teach you to find the problem at the beginning, get your problem statement. No. The new way is, is then to find the problem, develop the prototype, and test it, and do it in a low-resolution way. Do it in minutes, days, weeks. It's a different measurement of time versus years. Uh, and so being able to say, um, if I were to go to a board and say, look, you have $1 to invest in option A or option B. Option A is the way that I mentioned where it takes years to get out. Um, and might not have tested it with anyone. Option B, it, it took, let's say, three months. And we've talked to hundreds of people. We actually have an addressable market of people said, buy this today. We've actually been running an experiment with three companies um, totaling about 5,000 employees, and we want to spread. Where would you make your investment? So that's why I call it the reverse business case. And imagine if the business deployed that. That is design doing. The business adopted that. The speed to market, the time, the resource time, human capital, all of that impacts um, admin costs, 
these are costs coming out of healthcare. It's not as big as, you know, on the care delivery side, but we shouldn't shy away from those dollars. All those over time and time again and adopting that as a core business practice, it will make a difference. And even better, the, the member, the user will see the difference. And so ultimately that's the, that's the benefit. And who do you partner with in the organization to help get that done? Who are your colleagues, advocates, people who are help pushing that forward? Oh, um, the tribe is getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> so, um, you know, we have people are in our, our, um, our marketing area, our products and service area, our um, data analysis, our provider relations, sales, um, member services, um, IT and operations. I just have to do a little shout out for IT and operations in that I am... Uh, I am used to IT and operations being synonymous for the department of no. And I will say at Blue Cross Blue Shield, um, our IT and operations area are all about yes and, yes let's, can we do it yesterday? And I'm like, where have y'all been all my life? So um, that is a key, key area. And when they're sitting there saying, hey, let's think about this, let's try this, let's try this, I'm thinking about moving a resource over to you. What? Who does that? So um, the tribe is growing. Um, and uh, it, it's really an amazing, amazing thing. And that's what going slow, allowing to build those relationships and help change the mindsets. The early people in terms of, you know, they were, they, um, they, you know, they were our love partners, if you will. Um, they were on there. But as they told two friends, and we were able to demonstrate results and able to demonstrate a different way that they're incorporating not just the projects that we did, but how they're transferring that to their day-to-day work. It's just, it's growing and growing and growing. And um, we have people wanting to opt in, uh, which is awesome. So this is a little bit... A little yeah. bit of a departure, but sure. you know, and and I, it's it's risky to interpret too much from a tweet these days. But <laughs> but you know, we were we were following your uh, Twitter feed, and and as we were thinking about preparing for this, um, one of the tweets that y- you've done in the past year was um, the formula for winning is diversity plus inclusion equals disruptive innovation. Um, can you talk about the relationships between diversity, inclusion, and disruptive innovation? How have you seen that working? Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I, I know I stole that from someone, and I can't think of who I stole that from. Uh, but it was a learning for me. Um, you know, it's interesting uh, from a diversity standpoint. Um, people typically go either gender or ethnicity, uh, and it's very narrowly defined. Uh, but diversity includes diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of experience, which is we equate to a mindset called radical collaboration. So it's bringing different friends across multiple um, industries, backgrounds together to have a new conversation about old problems. So there's a lot of connectivity there. And diversity and from an HR function, if you will, um, their, primary, their primary goal is to bring in those, those individuals into the organization so that we, as a business, can begin to think differently and, and with everyday, tackling everyday problems. And so for me, it was, wow, um, there's a lot of parallel 
from with, with diversity and with innovation in terms of shared mindset. And inclusion is the epitome of human-centered design. Include me. <laughs> I have something to say. And in lending a voice to, uh, to the end user, uh, not after we've developed something, not after we've put something in the market, but including them as we're thinking about it. Uh, you might want to cut this out, but <laughs> I have a, a friend who is an OBGYN, and we work together at Kaiser Permanente. And he would say, I want to be involved, or excuse me, he would say, the, the best use of me as, an, as a clinician is not when I'm delivering your baby. It's when you're thinking about having one, uh, and that's when I can have the best best outcome for you. So don't include me in the delivery room. Include me in some of the the planning of, hey, we're thinking about having a baby. Better outcome for everyone um, uh, when you do that. Well, a couple of times as you were talking, you invoked the word tribe Mm -hmm. as this organization you're moving. And it's not just... Uh, it's not just your immediate colleagues, it's also the people you're talking to and the clinicians in this larger room that you're creating. Um, this tribe that you're building, how is this going to uh, inflect the way you design this new innovation center or roll it out? Oh, yeah, it's so, so uh, a leader that I used to work with made this comment that no project ever died due to over-communication. And I would amend that to say this innovation center will not die because of the lack of inclusion uh, from many different um, individuals. So whether it's uh, different departments within uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, working externally, um, hearing from consumers, hearing from our members, we want when our doors to open, this is not the, the Robin Glasgow uh, innovation center. This this should be a community asset that people should embrace and be able to see themselves as a part of. And that's very important to us in, in the design, the access, uh, the types of uh, challenges that we b- will be working on. We're even going so far as uh, being incredibly transparent. Uh, imagine uh, from Michael Jackson's Beat It video, every time he stepped, it would light up. Imagine that on a wall that would highlight the areas that we are um, working on at the moment. So the wall will be covered with you know, many different how might we statements, but an, a, a novice or a person will be able to see, oh, okay, this is something that they're working on. But lit up will be the types of what we're working on currently and have complete transparency. And one of the design principles of our innovation center is um, we don't want people just to come in and say, hey, this is cool, and then walk out. Uh, part of our expectation is to take something and to leave something. So leaving something in that example would be, okay, you see we're working on this particular business challenge. Give us an idea. Help us, you know, help us advance to that. You see we have uh, a sprint that's going on or an incubator that's going on tackling this problem. We'll have some office here. Come in and, you know, let's give us some of your ideas. Our retail uh, floor on the first first level is going to be where we're going to be engaging people. And so we want to make sure that that's very, very, very important to us to have that level of, of connectivity so that when we do open this innovation center, people can see themselves, themselves in it. 
today. Well, thank you so much, Robin, mm -hmm. for being with us. I'm really excited. I'm certain, personally, like invigorated by the conversation and being with a superhero for <laughs> 30 minutes, um, but also like excited to see this innovation center when yeah. it opens. So I look forward to chatting with you again after that opens. Awesome. Thank you for having me. The Resonance Test Podcast is where we seek out people who are consistently able to go from inspiration and cool ideas to fully implementing them. Innovation in this form can be found in all sorts of fields, from health and tech to food and the workplace. And we love hearing how different people go about doing this repeatedly. Continuum is a global innovation design consultancy with studios in Boston, Milan, Seoul, and Shanghai. At Continuum, we're very deliberate about the term innovation. For us, it means turning ideas into stuff that's real. Because from our perspective, it's not really innovative until it exists. If you want to learn more about Continuum and the work we do, go to continuuminnovation.com. Thanks to Robin and Lee for their great conversation today. Many thanks to Kip, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Unending appreciation to Ken Gordon, our producer, for his masterminding behind the scenes. This has been The Resonance Test. I'm your host, Pete Chapin. And to our listeners, we thank you for your ears. Thank you.